and uh, that is what we've been uh, ministering on, except for one Sunday when it was Sanctity of Life Sunday, we, we, we ministered concerning uh, the Sanctity of Life and the abortion issue and all those things. Uh, we're going to pick back up with this sermon series. This will be the last in the series, uh, Taking Responsibility in the Kingdom. The first message on January the 3rd we preached was Realizing Your Responsibility to God. And we talked about our responsibility that we have to God. Uh, and then we continued uh, with the second message on January the 10th, and we preached realizing your responsibility to the church and uh, about the responsibility we have uh, to the church and uh, what God uh, uh, asks and requires of us regarding the church and our responsibilities there. Uh, if you missed any of those, you can go on our website and you can click on and listen to those. Uh, we do have the audio, and but we are we are planning in the very near future. We're going to hopefully, by the grace of God, uh, we may we may start be able to start it by the end of this year. We want to start doing some live streaming. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, we're just praying, asking God's, uh, help on that. Today, I'm going to finish up this series, uh, probably by one of the most important parts, and it's why the church exists. And that, uh, what we're going to be speaking about today is realizing your responsibility to the lost. Realizing your responsibility to the lost. You do have a responsibility to those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And uh, by the grace of God, I'm on, I hope that I can ignite some hearts. We have a outreach team now. We haven't met yet. We're fixing to meet. We asked people to sign up, and we had some requirements for that before you'd be willing to do. And uh, we're going to be having a meeting with them. I think we had five people uh, sign up, and I'm going to be contacting those five uh, very shortly, and we're going to be having a, having a meeting and uh, discussing about out ministry outreach and reaching out to the lost in this community, getting out beyond the four walls. Amen. Our scripture today is found in the book of Romans, the first chapter, uh, verse, verses 14 and 15. And that's what we're going to be reading for our opening text. Romans chapter 1, uh, verses 14 and 15. Hallelujah. Apostle Paul here doing the writing to the church of Rome. He says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in, uh, uh, as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Focusing on verse 14, I'm going to read it again. He says, I am debtor both to the Greeks 
to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Realizing your responsibility to the lost. Realizing your responsibility to the lost. Fathers, we come today, we thank you, praise you for the privilege of being in your house today. I ask God that you will anoint us today, God, to minister, God, that we may ignite a passion in the hearts of everyone about reaching as many people as we can for the gospel of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen and Amen. You can be seated. Brother Travis, would you mind stepping up here for a minute? I want you to take the stopwatch and um, uh, start it, and then when it hits on a minute, I want just stop it, and I want you to say time, okay? And you can go ahead and do that. Uh, I've got a, a Bible here that's got the Bible in 26 different translations. I uh, It got all smoked up in the fire with my old office at the church and got it cleaned up as much as possible. I want to read some of these translations briefly. He's Paul said, I'm a debtor. One translation says, I have a duty. Another one says, I have an obligation. Another translation says, I have a responsibility. Another translation says, I owe mankind. These are just a few of some of the translations. Time. Already? Wow. Thank you, sir. From the short time... That I started this message and Brother Travis was standing over there. I want to tell you one of the most serious things that I could ever tell you. That right now, there is a hundred and five people who no longer have the breath of life in them. A hundred and five people have died in the past minute. I looked up some statistics defined about mortality and an estimated 105 people pass away, Brother Paul, and go out into eternity every minute. Now, it's already more right now. But from the short time that I, that I read to you those scriptures, 105 people who was breathing is not breathing now. Let me ask you a question. Does that stir you at all? Does that move you at all? You mentioned a while ago about someone passing away 48 years old. Let me give you one a little tougher than that. We was at a funeral yesterday at FAC. We got the word, I believe it was on Wednesday night, 
good friends of ours we have known for years, Brother Tommy Vaughn and his wife, Sister Joyce. Their 38-year-old daughter by the name of Crystal has one son, 16 years old. She ain't never been sick, ain't never had no problems, young, full of life, and everybody, different ones in the funeral, talking about how that she was always a cut up and always laughing, and she enjoyed life. But she left, walked out of her parents' house, walked into her car, and Brother Tommy went outside a little bit later and found her laying lifeless on the pavement by her car. They said an apparent heart attack took her out instantly. You see, there's a world of people out there, and there might be some people under the sound of my voice. You were born with a defect that the doctors didn't catch when you was born. And you've lived your life up to this point, and you don't know it, you don't realize it, but you may be a ticking time bomb. An aneurysm somewhere that could burst any time and take you out instantaneously. A hundred and five people every minute go out into eternity. Fifty-six million people a year. Go us out into eternity. That's why that we as a body of Christ, and as you've guessed by now, this message today is for the church. It is for those who have professed a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul said, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the smart and to those not so smart. I'm obligated. I have a duty. I have a responsibility. We are the Pentecostal ranks. We talk much about the power of the Holy Ghost. And we enjoy our Holy Ghost experience. But if you really understand your Bible, the Holy Ghost was not given so you could just jump up and down and shout or speak in tongues or, or have another spiritual gift operate. That is not the reason why you was given the Holy Ghost. He said, you told the early church, he said, you stay in Jerusalem or you tarry and wait until you receive the promise of the Father. Hallelujah. Then, amen, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. Hallelujah. And you go out all over the world and become witnesses to my name until this gospel, until every creature under heaven. That is why God gave you the Holy Ghost, that you would have some authority and 
and power in your life uh, that you could be a witness. Uh, amen. And you could snake somebody out of the grasp of hell. God didn't give us this facility here on this side of town just because we could come and enjoy ourselves. And I can look pretty standing up here on this stage. I would look pretty where I was on the stage right side. He planted us here because there are souls in this area that are lost that could be part of the next 105 in the next minute. Brother Jeff, what have we done to reach them? What have we done to be a light and to be a witness? Are we going to continue to come together and do our Holy Ghost two-step and have a good time and shake hands and hug necks and go home and say, see you next service, brother, see you next service, sister, and when there is a lost world dying without God, that is the purpose of the church is to reach those who don't know the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Follow me just shortly and I will not try to hold you long. I've got two points to this message today that I want to share with you. Hallelujah. First, I want to talk about blessings are given to be shared. Hallelujah. The blessings that we receive from God are given to us, not so we could be a hoarder. I don't know how many of you ever saw that TV show on, uh, on television about hoarders, my Lord. Hallelujah. How some people can just pile up stuff so much that you, you don't even have a space holder to walk in the house. I know some around here like that. Hallelujah. But God does not give us blessings just so we can keep them to ourselves. It don't matter what kind of blessings they are. If they're financial, they're not given to you just so you can buy a better car, live in a better home, wear better clothes. Apostle Paul said, let every man work with his own hands, that he might have something he can give to those that are in need. Hallelujah. But instead of doing that, every time we see a homeless person on the street, we want to turn our head and go the other way. We don't want to be, we don't want to be bothered. All the time, Jesus says, he that gives to the poor, go ahead and say it, Brother Travis, lendeth to the Lord. Did you know the Bible says that he that giveth to the poor lends to the Lord? My, 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 my. And let me ask you a question. Do you think God wants to be in debt to anybody? <laughs> Brother Bobby, God is not going to be in debt to nobody. 
if you lend to Him, glory to God, that's where that being given unto you, pressed down, brother, shaken together and running over, hallelujah, glory to God, because God is not going to be indebted to nobody, hallelujah, amen, so the blessings that we have, God blesses us that we might bless others. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. Jesus says, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils freely. You have received, freely give. My, my, my. Now, if you go back and read everything in that chapter, you'll find these words of the Lord were spoken to his disciples when he sent them out to spread the gospel all around the land of Israel. He gave them authority over the devil to heal the sick, cast out demons, and even to raise the dead. But the mandate, hallelujah, given, was to freely give or pass on to others the gifts or the blessings which have been given unto them. What I give to you, you pass it on. I'm giving it to you freely and I want you to pass it on to somebody else. I don't want you to hoard it. I don't want you to keep it. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm giving you this that you can give it to somebody else. Oh God. If you have received salvation and the forgiveness of your sins, you have been given the greatest gift or the greatest blessing that can be ever given to man. Now, it's great to be healed when you're sick. Amen. You're going through suffering and pain. It's great to be healed. I believe Sister Darlene can testify to that about the migraines. Amen. Hallelujah. We all been touched by God and we all been healed by God. But let me tell you something. The greatest blessing that you have been given from God is not a healing in your body, but it's salvation for your soul. Do you hear me? Because this body, you think you're going to carry this body to heaven, but this body's not going to heaven. This body was made out of the dust and it's going back to the dust. Dust to dust and ashes to ashes. Oh, hallelujah to God. Amen. So, Hallelujah. Why in the world are we so concerned about the outward body? Glory to God. When is that inward man? It's going to live forever somewhere. Can you praise God? The greatest gift you can ever receive from God is the salvation for your soul. That grace which was given to you free and without charge was intended to be passed on from you to others so they too can experience the forgiveness that they need so they can have an opportunity to be saved from the judgment to come. I've been guilty many times of being complacent. I've been guilty I'm not thinking about that 105. Now, can you imagine how many it's been already? Amen. How many that their heart was beating when I started this message that their hearts have stopped. This is why Apostle Paul said he was a debtor to all men. He knew what he had received from God. 
He did not deserve it. There's not a man a woman in this building deserves anything you've ever given, been given from God. Even though I've been in church most of my life, I've been preaching since I was 14. I don't have nothing to brag about. Lord God knows. I mean, I, man, I, there's no way I can glory in nothing. I don't deserve nothing. Hallelujah. I know if I got what I deserved, I would be lost. So I, like Paul, have to say, I'm a debtor. I have a duty, not because I'm a preacher, because do not try to pin this off on preachers. God did not call this just for preachers. He called it for every born-again believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got as just much duty and obligation to go out and win souls. Amen. That's a preacher or a prophet or a missionary. Because truly we're all missionaries to this world. Hallelujah. He said, I'm a debtor. I owe. I'm under obligation to all man to share to pass on freely and with a loving heart, not with a judgmental attitude or pointing my finger and condemning everybody. Amen, I see, because I don't like this about them. I don't like that about them. That's immaterial. Hallelujah. It don't make no difference. Hallelujah. Glory to God, because everybody that you look at is, is a soul. Do you hear what I'm saying? An eternal soul created by God. We get upset about babies being aborted. Hallelujah. Why don't we get upset about people dying and going to And that brings me to the second point. Hallelujah. The reality of eternal destruction. The subject of hell or eternal destruction is rarely spoken of in modern church settings today. Those old time preachers Brother Paul, it's been said, they even sang it in songs. They used to preach hell so hot you could feel the heat. But hell is not mentioned in church circles today. I watched an interview on Larry King one time of the pastor of one of the biggest churches in America in Texas. Sit there and tell Larry King that God didn't call him to preach against sin or about hell. And 105 people go out in eternity every minute. And God did not call us. Oh, my Lord. You see, everybody wants to believe in an afterlife of peace and contentment. I have heard non-believers, when they were talking about a loved one who had passed away, I've been to the funeral home and I've heard them talk about it. They say, well, they're in a better place. These are non-believers, I've heard say this. The person laying in the casket never did know the Lord. But yet, many times, 
to help help them cope with the situation that they go through, they say they're in a better place. But statistics show that belief in a literal place of destruction called hell has very few adherents in today's mindset. Everybody believes in an afterlife of peace and contentment. But we don't believe so much about a literal lake of fire. But if you stop and think about it, anytime you don't want to deal with something, there's a human tendency just to put it out of your mind. I feel like that's why a lot of people say they don't believe in hell anymore. It's something they don't want to deal with. They don't want to think about it. So they just put it out of their mind, not think about it. Some think if they don't believe in it, that it can't hurt them or affect them. Come on. If I don't believe in it, it won't hurt me. If I don't believe in it, it won't affect me. That kind of mindset is kind of like a toddler. I know about everybody in here. I can remember our three when they were growing up. Cute thing as it can be. Sometimes a toddler, toddler will close their eyes and they say, you can't see me. Anybody ever saw a toddler do that? Hear him say that? They'll close their eyes. You can't see me. Somebody closing their eyes to the reality of a little place called destruction is about the same way. They think if they deny it, they won't have to face it. But God burnt plenty in my soul to remind us. It's been a while since this preacher has mentioned it. To remind the church first and then also if any of you be here who don't know God to let you know just as sure as there's a heaven to gain, there's a hell to shun. Hallelujah. Hell is real. Hell is real. In fact, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, go through them sometime and count up and see. Every time, and write it down, every time Jesus mentioned or spoke about hell, and then in another column, every time he mentioned heaven. And Brother Wayne, you'll find and see that Jesus mentioned hell twice as much as he did heaven. Why was that, I wonder? That Jesus spoke about hell twice as much as he did heaven. My. So if hell is indeed like what the Scripture says... Why in the name of all that is decent and good, we who have been saved and delivered such a place that we don't desire to warn everybody we meet and to know about the horrors which awaits every soul who dies unprepared to meet God. Everybody who dies don't go to a better place. Everybody, everybody who dies after a terminal illness and several months of suffering and pain. There's another thing that people say sometimes at funeral homes. 
Well, at least they're not suffering no more. Really? That's not true for everybody. I say that with a breaking heart, not proud or boasting. Because the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. But how can they repent if we who knows the truth refuses to tell them the truth? Maybe because we are ashamed or we don't want them to get upset with us? My Lord, if you was driving down the street where your best friend lived on or you're driving down the street where your parents lived, or another family member and you passed their house and it was late at night and you looked and you saw flames coming from that house, do you tell me you wouldn't put that car to a screeching halt and run up, amen, to every door and every window and get in there or break and make all kind of racket to get warn them and get them out? How much so, more so about their soul? Listen, if somebody lives to be a hundred years old, that's just a drop in the that ain't even a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. It's just a drop in a bucket compared to eternity. The reality of eternal destruction. Revelation chapter twenty, verses eleven through fifteen. Let's read that. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, this is after the resurrection, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. The books... It's the 66 books of the Word of God which we're going to be judged by. There's a song that people used to sing. I haven't heard in a while, and I'm glad because I, I don't accept it at all. Now, I know that they think about it as being the good part, but you stop and think what I'm fixing to say. This little chorus he used to sing is, every promise in the book is mine. I'm going to tell you, I don't want every promise in that book. I don't want every promise that's in that book. One day, the, all the dead, small and great, is going to stand before God, and the book that's got those promises, all those promises in them is going to be opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Go ahead. And the sea gave up the dead which was in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which was in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is... The second death. 
focus on this next scripture. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Put our picture up there. The reality of eternal destruction. We got a uh, a roll book around here. We 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 do it for bookkeeping reasons and and things of that nature. It don't really mean a whole lot. I've had people call me sometime, talk to me, say, Brother Sammy says, I don't know what I'm going to do. He says, they've taken my name off the church book. I missed a few Sundays, but I was, you know, I was having this problem, whatever. It don't matter if your name is on any church road book or not. Your name don't have to be on a church register for you to be right with God and be saved. Amen. But there's a book in heaven that's written. And it's not written in ink of any color. But it's written in the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross. Nothing else matters in this world. The only thing that matters for me is my name. Is it in that book? My name has got to be in that book. I care fellowship cards of church organizations. That don't mean nothing. My name has got to be in the book. I'm a member of certain clubs and different things of that nature. That don't mean nothing. My name has got to be in the book. It don't matter if it's AAA. It don't matter if it's a Kiwanis club. What other kind of earthly socials thing that there may be I'm a I, I got a card in there somewhere of the NRA I'm a member of that but my name has got to be in the book do you hear what I'm saying yeah. nothing else matters nothing else in this world that I've achieved in these 61 years I don't matter my name has got to be in that book because one day I'll The blood has covered those sins. Wednesday night, those of you who are here know we talked about Moses and how that because he disobeyed God, he wasn't allowed to go into the land of promise. But God 
led him up on a mountain and says, Moses, you can look. You can see where the people are going that you've led them for 40 years. You're not going to be able to go. And as I told the people Wednesday night, the devil was somewhere close by and he heard all that. So when Moses died, he disputed about the body of Moses. Michael the archangel stepped in. And the devil was doing his best to get Moses. Michael the archangel says, the Lord rebuke thee. Hallelujah. Yeah. He made some mistakes. But he followed me. His name is in the book. He might not went to the promised land, but he made it to heaven. Oh, there are going to be some things, amen, in my life that I did that was weird, that were wrong, that I would be afraid of. But if my name is in the book, it means those wrongs were covered by the blood. Do you hear what I said? And the devil can't get me. He can't catch me. Glory to God. Of all else, your name has got to be in the book. If your name ain't in the book, you're not going to a better place. If your name is not in the book, your suffering is not going to be over. Luke chapter 16, my final scripture. Luke 16, 19 and 23. Everybody knows this parable. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read part of it. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man died, also died, and was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus. In his bosom. Put up the picture. And the rich man died. And he lifted up his eyes. And he saw that poor beggar that was laid at his gates. All those years. That he wouldn't give the time of day to. He wouldn't do nothing. He had too much pride he didn't have enough time to help. How many times I wonder, he tripped over Lazarus. How many times I wondered if he kicked him and told him to get out of my way. He recognized old Lazarus. He was in torment. 
So he lifted up his eyes, called out to Father. He said, there's Lazarus. He'll know me. Send Lazarus to me to bring me a little water. I can touch the tip of my tongue because I'm tormented in this fire. At one time, he had an opportunity to communicate with Lazarus. But that time was over. And God said, listen, there's a great gulf fixed between where you're at and where Lazarus is. And one cannot part from one and go to the other. It can't happen. And then a little further, he says, God... I got five brothers. At least send Lazarus back to warn my five brothers. I don't want them to come to this place. How many times have I had people tell me, said, well, I might go to hell, but I'm going to party because all my friends are going to be there. How the devil's got people's minds blighted. Ain't going to be no party in hell. Ain't going to be no get-together with friends and family. And those people that are in hell right now, people that they've got that are friends and family still alive, they don't want them to be there with them. He said, son Lazarus, let him warn my five brothers. I don't want them to come. He should have done what was right while he was alive on the earth then he could have been a light and a witness to his five brothers and possibly save some. My, my, my. My. Listen to me in closing. The only chance that many of your family members that are here today, the only chance that some of your family members or friends or co-workers how to miss this horrible fate could be your witness to share with them the gospel and what God has done for you. You are responsible for their souls. Do not take that lightly. Do not take that lightly. Sister Debbie, come to the keyboard if you would. I would dare say that everybody in this house are guilty of missing opportunities to be a witness. To be the light and the salt to this world that God has called us to be. Jesus said that when He was on the earth, He was the light of the world. But he says, now ye are the light of the world, a city set on a hill which cannot be hid. Church, we got to get proactive. We got to get proactive. We don't have the time that we once had. We're close to the end of the age. This day is soon to come. 
And I would think that many of us today would do us well to kneel and pray a prayer of repentance for God forgive me for missing opportunities I've missed to be a witness to somebody. Somebody says, well, I don't know how to, I don't know how to talk to people. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to witness to somebody about the Lord. The best thing you can do, the best testimony and best witness you can be is to just start talking to somebody and tell somebody what God has done in your life. What God means to you. And that how God is no respect of person and whatever He's done for me, He can do for you. Stand with me.